How many of you glad for God to do something special today? He's already doing it. Already doing it. I'm excited today because today we're going to begin a brand new series. And a series that is going to be monumental because it matters so much that we do this thing right as a family. And we're going to begin a brand new series today called Family Essentials. Family Essentials. And I want to say this, we're going to be talking about some parenting. We're going to be talking about grandparenting. We're going to be talking about, you know, how to raise your family. And you may say, well, I don't have a family yet. I don't have kids yet. Let me tell you, for those that don't have children yet, I don't want you to think that this isn't for you. This is definitely for you because you are a part of a family somewhere, somehow. Matter of fact, you're a part of a family in this room called your church family. And all of us are sons and daughters to someone. And so the things we're going to talk about these next few weeks, we're going to do this for about three weeks. The next things we're going to talk about is, is how to be a part of a family and not just be a Christian family, but how to become a Christ-centered family. And so what we're going to talk about these next several weekends is the family essentials that will give you the proper foundation. Whether you have a family or not, you need these practices. You need these tools. You need to begin right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, begin right now. I know they posted that reel to say when you turn to your neighbor and say, give them a hug. You look at them all crazy. So guess what? Turn to your neighbor and go ahead and give them a hug. Remain standing. We're going to read the word of God today. How many know that parenting has always been difficult? Raise your hand if you agree parenting is difficult. Raise your hand. Some of y'all like, can I raise my toes and my feet and Lord just take me. Parenting is, is, is no joke. It's a job. It is work. It's beautiful. It's brutiful. Raising a family is brutiful. And I believe that to, in today's world, parenting is more difficult today than ever before. Because there's some factors that didn't exist. And so I want to talk today out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to read to you what's known as the Shema. It's considered the most recited, most essential prayer for the Jewish people. This was before Jesus came, but even after Jesus came. And it was traditionally prayed every morning and every evening, even prayed so much that in reverence to God, they would cover their eyes and recite this prayer. It was meant to be labeled on their heart, ingrained in their spirit. So let's read it today, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. 
We live in a society today where parents don't want to impress anything on their children. They want them to figure it out on their own. But my Bible says that we are to impress them on our children. Your children are not like gazelles in the lion's field. They are, but if we impress on them the right values, they'll know how to handle the lion. That's for somebody today. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you're driving in your car, when you're on your way to school, when you lie down and you put them to sleep, when you get up in the morning and you have coffee, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I think the writer wants us to understand that these are massively important, that this is the essentials to raise your family, to not be a Christian family, but to be a Christ-centered family. So I want to talk to you today from the title, Parenting on Purpose, Parenting on Purpose. Father, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for what you're doing today. We thank you for this word that is going forth. We pray, Lord, that it would touch our souls, that it would change us today, that you would help us to see your word. Let it come to light. Let it bring forth fruit and help us build the proper foundation to raise our family, to love our kids, to love those that we do life with together, whether family by choice or family by birth. God, I just pray today that, that you would be glorified, that your name would be praised that we would glean from the different parts that, you're, that we're supposed to receive today from your word. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are good and that no matter where our, we may find our family in this moment, God, if we will press into your word today, if we will lean on your presence, you will transform us today, that you have the power to restore, you have the power to set free, you have the power to make new by your son, Jesus. So Lord, bless us today. Speak to us today. Help us grow today. Help us to leave here today with tools in our hands and the proper manual to help us to how to run and operate our family. We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And all God's children said, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. I'm going to try to sit down today as much as I can, but I am a, a preacher by nature, so this may be very hard for me. It's like putting a guard dog on a chain. But I, what I want to do today is I want to teach and I want to give you tools today. I don't want to preach. I don't want to yell. Um, I just want to talk and give you some handlebars for how to have a family in a world that we have today that loves God, that lives for God, that is a tight family unit in a world that wants to separate the family apart. As, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we are, we are instructed to build a family that is Christ-like, not to pretend to be one. 
And nor are we talking about how to be a perfect parent today because God knows that none of us are perfect. No one is the perfect dad. No one is the perfect mom. But we're all striving to follow what God has instructed us to do. And so I want to give us some tools today and want to give us some handlebars and I hope I stay seated the whole time. We'll see how this goes because this is interesting. I'm slipping out of this chair already. So like, like physically, I'm actually slipping. That's why I keep sliding back up. I got my one foot down because I'm still towing the water yet of what I'm going to do. I was raised in a different day. And the days that we are in today, they're different than the days that I was raised. In those days, they were a lot less complex. As a child, at least that's how I saw it. Now, as a family, with, I have four children of my own. Um, we're the family that when you walk into a restaurant, they start counting. And we've even been in restaurants where we're like, wow. And I'm like, you about to see wow. You better find a table for us. So I know and I can attest to the fact that today's parenting is difficult with, the, with all the world has to offer. Parenting has always been difficult. I'm not here to say that. I was raised in a time when I know it was difficult. But, but in today's society with mental health issues that impact a child, they are impacting them at an alarming rate when you read the statistics. We have children and young adults who are overwhelmed with anxiety overwhelmed with battling depression. They're victims of not just physical bullying, bullying, but also victims of cyberbullying, where they get online. And at a ridiculously young age, ridiculously young age, we give them this device right here, where they have access to everything, everything that they really never wanted to see. And we're like, here you go, have fun. And we are not realizing what we're doing. We've essentially put porn in their pocket. We've hurled them into the world of TikTok and Snapchat. Into a world of sexual perversion and ungodly influences. And they have unlimited access to information like loads and loads of information and, and, and statistics and psychologists have shown that they are being stressed beyond recovery. It's so much information at their fingertips. It's great. We have it. But if it's not used properly, it will be abused by a child who doesn't know a limit. And in a world full of agendas and a world full of motives I don't want to be just a Christian family. I want to be a Christ centered family. And in order for us to do that, to follow the word of God, we have to parent on purpose with purpose. So you may be asking, well, what is the difference between a Christian family and a Christ centered one? We see a Christian family. They believe in God. They know that God is real. They come to church every now and then, but really what they are are just what's called a cultural or even a casual Christian. They come to church maybe on Christmas and Easter or come once a month, even maybe they call on God when only they're in trouble. 
They're born in America so they can just assume, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm a Christian. I'm born in America. They have an assumption that they are a Christian, but really they're not a true devoted follower of Jesus. They do it out of convenience, not out of commitment. A Christ-centered family, on the other hand, is very different. They love God, but they love him with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind. And they understand that following Jesus is of the highest calling. They understand that what Jesus came to establish, which is his church, is more than just an organization. It is the very thing that God said that his son would be the head of. And so they know it has value. They put Christ in the center of every decision. You see, as parents in the early years of our children, no one has greater influence on them than you do. No one. And I believe that with God's truth in our hearts and having his manual for life, which is called the Bible, we must I'll say it again. We must impress his truth on our children. Not my truth. Not my opinion. Not my experience. Because I can have an experience that's different than what God's word says. And I will base my whole life on an experience rather than God's, God's law or God's word or God's truth. We are to talk about it. All the time. We are to impress on our children the promises of God. The ways of God. When? Over breakfast. On the drive to school. When you're putting them down before bed. As a Christ-centered family, you understand that God is not just a part of your life. He is your life. He is everything. And my goal today is not to step on your toes, but it is to gracefully push you a little bit because I want you to assess which category your family finds themselves and to know that you as a parent have the power in your hand to make the change and you can make the change. You can walk out if you're different. You can walk out of here with tools today and you may say, well, what if I'm too far gone? You're not too far gone. God's promises are always yes and amen. We just read that last weekend. So let's talk today about, I want to give you three things. Very simple. This is very practical. This is, this is not something that, I, today you're not going to walk out of here going, I'm going to conquer the world. You're going to walk in here going, I've got tools for how to do this. But, I, but you, you, you have to learn to be your own mechanic sometimes. I'm going to give you the instruction. I'm going to give you the tool based out of God's word, based out of what I've learned, based out of raising my own kids. And I'm no perfect dad, but being raised as a son by parents who are great foundational uh, parents who instilled values in me as a child, who I love the house of God. I love the word of God. I love who God is in my life. I have his relationship for me, not through them. So I want to talk today about what we're doing wrong. What's three things as, as parents we can do wrong often. The very first thing that we often do wrong is we risk too little. We risk too little. I hope you're taking notes today. 
because you're gonna only pertain about 2% of what I say if you don't take notes. We risk too little. Many families in our society today have what's called risk adversity. We, we are pain avoidant. Like that's their top value today is I don't want my kids to go through any pain. I went through a lot of pain. I'm gonna make sure they don't go through any pain. When I was a kid, I don't know about you, but I was kicked out of the house in the morning and told, told don't come back till it was dark. Like how many of you, that's how your parents raised you. Like if you got thirsty, what'd you drink from? The hose, not the faucet, the water hose, all its chemicals and plastic that it came with. Well water at that, that's right. Had the, the smell of sulfur. What did you eat? I don't know. We just figured it out. But we were told you can't come back in until it's dark outside. Our parents loved us. They really did, but they didn't obsess over our safety. We lived in the country where there were snakes, where there were animals, where there was cattle in the backyard, where, where there was Bobcats lurking and coyotes lurking and we would go do what's called exploring. We didn't have this. This didn't exist. What did I get to do? I got to use my imagination instead of forcing something to do it for me. Like we got knives at like age five for Christmas. Car seats and like just barely became the law. Like, like, like seat belts were, were only required for those who sat where? In the front seat. Some of y'all are like, we didn't even have seat belts. I believe that we must be wise to protect our children. We have to be wise. We've got to be good stewards. No, we're not here to throw them out to the lions and, and say, figure it out. I just mentioned that we are to impress on them the, the truth of God. We are to impress on them the ways of God, but we've got to learn to let them grow up. We've got to let them grow up. We've got to allow them to actually walk the line of, of caution. So they learn to do it for themselves. Yes. Make them wear seat belts. Yes. Make them sit in a car seat and follow. Yes, when they're riding a, a four-wheeler or a dirt bike, put a helmet on. Or their bicycle, put a helmet on. Yes, do all those things. But they don't need a helmet to get the mail. And I know that sounds silly, but that's how we're raising our children. We cannot overprotect them from growing up. Because if we do, they'll never grow up. And what many of us do is in an effort to protect them from pain, we actually, as parents, are robbing them of their confidence. We have 18-year-olds who don't, don't want to drive because they don't want to take the risk or the responsibility to do it. I was 16. When I turned 16, I drove myself to the DPS office, picked up my own driver's license. Yes, I did. Illegally and all been past seven years so you know you can't can't come at me now <laughs> statute of limitations um, I don't know if that applies but I'm just making it out there because it's online somewhere now um, 
We got police officers in this room. I love you. I'm looking at you right now, too. I love you. Don't be, don't be. I don't want no ticket. But it's true. We got 18-year-olds that don't even care to drive, don't want to drive. Why? They don't want, the ri- they don't want to take the risk. They don't want the responsibility. They don't want to even go do the driver's test. We've got 21-year-olds that are struggling to fill out a job application. I, I read where, where we have parents now for young adults, like in their 20s, who are driving or even coming with their young adults to job interviews for a sense of security. They may not be in the interview themselves, but they're sitting in the lobby or they're sitting in the car. Why? Because they don't know how to be on their own. They've never had an opportunity to grow up. Not only have we robbed them from believing in themselves, but we've robbed them from learning to have and form a faith in God. We've robbed them from it. And it's, it's clear in Hebrews 11. We all know the scripture. We can quote it even very simply. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. We've got to allow our kids to grow up so they learn to depend on God and not on you. We risk too little. The second thing is we rescue too quickly. We rescue too quickly. Lucy forgets to do her science project and it's Tuesday night. It's 10 p.m. So what happens? Mom stays up till two or three in the morning, finishing the project, cramming it in, trying to do it to rescue their child or their teenager. Aiden forgets his his coat after his parents told him many times, get a coat. It's cold today. So he gets a call from from school and little Aiden's calling his dad and dad's got to leave work to go get a jacket, to go take it to a son. You know when that happened to me? You know what happened? You know what my mom and dad told me? You're going to be cold today because I told you. You should have brought your coat. Pain is a great teacher. Hmm. I got a lot I can say about that one. We've got Jack, who's 25 years old, and he's late for work a lot because he doesn't know how to work an alarm clock or be, or be discipled to getting up. And so now he has his mom calling his job, explaining to him why it's so hard for his son to get to work on time. These are scenarios that are real. This isn't hypothetical. But I've got to tell you today, consequences and pain make for a great teacher. They're a great teacher. Galatians 6, 7 tells us, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. So when when we rob our children from God's natural consequences, it's no wonder they don't fear or honor God. Luke 15 is probably one of the, the greatest examples of fatherhood where you had a son who said, Father, give me my inheritance. He was raised in a godly house. He was raised in one who honored God. But he came to a point as a young adult or, a, or, or, or late teenager and said, God, give me, or not God, but Father, give me my inheritance. Give me everything that was owed to me. And it says that the son left the house and it says he went and squandered his living with prostitutes, with, with, with all kinds of lavish living. He, he, he wasted everything. And he found himself 
eating and taking and tending to pigs. As a Jewish boy tending to pigs, we don't even have time to, to, to break the down how, how contradictory that was. And he came to a point where he realized, I have messed up. I've made a mistake. He even said, if you read the passage in Luke 15, he says, how, how well do my, my, my father's servants have it? And yet here I sit with pigs in a pen, desiring what the pods that they eat. So he comes to his own realization. And it says that he comes back to the father. And you know what the loving father does? You know what you never will see? The father didn't go rescue his son. He never went and ran after him. He never went to go find him. He probably waited on the doorstep every day. Every sunrise, every sunset, looking for maybe one day, I've trained my child up in the way they should go. When they get older, they won't depart from it. He may be trying to figure it out now. But when he gets older, he will not depart from it. What happened was the son come over the hill and the father saw his son. And what does his father do? He doesn't, he doesn't say, well, I told you it never worked. No, no, no. It says that he welcomed his son. He wrapped his arms around him. He, it actually says that he ran to his son while his son's head was cast down in shame and in regret. He never went to him before that moment. He didn't go rescue his son too soon. His son had to come to the moment. Sometimes you've got to hit your lowest as a child to realize what you really had. And maybe that's where you're at today. You've lost it and now you've realized what you've lost. The father welcomed him back. And that's how the father welcomes us back into his arms. When we make a mistake. I believe that we often, too often, we rescue our kids too quickly. So we risk too little. We, risk, we rescue too quickly. The third thing is we model too weakly. If we're not serious in our faith, how can we expect our kids to be? When it comes to parenting in the early years, They'll tell you that more is caught than taught. How many of you have ever heard that phrase before? More is caught than taught. I, I, I want to tell you, though, today, children don't just become what you say. They become what they see every time. They don't just become what you say. They become what they see. You want to know what the fastest way to drive away your kids from God? You want to know what it is for you to be hypocritical? For you to say one thing and do the other. Mark seven. This is the words of Jesus. He says, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. Boy, Jesus has some strong language. Y'all thought Jesus was like this little cuddly, soft tender man and he was he was tender but he was as strong as a lion Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites as it is written these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me 
I want to make it clear, we will never be perfect as parents. We'll never be perfect. But if we consistently say one thing and we do another, our kids will run from the things of God. They'll run. So we we risk too little, we rescue too quickly, we model too weakly. So then what can we do better? That's maybe the question that we got to ask today. Sociologists have something that they call the law of exposure. And in parenting, if you'll learn this, this is kind of the definition. It says, who and what you expose your children to will shape who they become and what they believe. So if we allow our kids to be exposed to bad attitudes, if we allow them to be exposed to over-sexualized images, if we allow them to be exposed to hardcore materialism, perverted thinking, prejudices, ungodly values, it is guaranteed that they will become far from God. They'll speak his name on their lips, but their heart will not be near him. We've got a parent on purpose. For our kids to love God, we we have a responsibility to parent on purpose. Let me say this, and I want you to write this down. We can't force our children to love God, but we can expose them to the people, places, and experiences that increase their likelihood of spiritual growth. I'm going to say it again. We can't force our children to love God. I wish we could. But we can't. But we can expose them to the people, to the places, and to the experiences that increase their likelihood of spiritual growth. So then the question then comes is, what experiences should we expose our children to? I want to give you two of them today. We're going to talk more about this over the next several weeks, but I want to give you two of them today. Number one thing is we need to expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. John chapter 17, verse 3 says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. So, so how are we to do this? What, what model should we expose them to? Well, you should begin to create an environment where your kids want to have discussions about God. So it's something that they feel that they have to do. Not something they have to do, but something they want to do. Like, make talk about Jesus and his church, and serving, and giving, the most normal conversations you have in your house. Make your conversations about the word of God the most normal conversations that you have in your house. Allowing it to be the most common subject in your home. You can't have a relationship without conversation. You can't. You have to have conversation. So model Talking to God. Let your kids see you pray. Let them see you seeking the word of God. I got to tell you, through the month of January, I didn't, I didn't really tell anybody I was doing this until like later in the, the month. 
But on January 30th, I completed the Bible in 30 days. Reading on an average about two hours or more a day. I can be on social media that long, so I thought I'd made a comment that I, w- I would have to read a certain amount of books and chapters before I would jump on that. And what I began to see is every morning when my kids would wake up and they would see me downstairs reading the Word of God. My middle son went and picked up his. And he said, Dad, I want to do it too. Now he's eight. I don't expect him to read the Bible in 30 days. But it was the principle. I exposed him to something. I purposefully picked the time when I would be in my last 15 or 20 minutes. Where they would wake up because they can't get up till seven because we have a clock that turns the sun on. And that's the law in our house. You don't get out of that bed until 7 a.m. Some of y'all need to get that clock. My daughter don't read time very well, so it's a little sun that turns on. And that moon's on. Don't you get your butt out of bed. You stay in there until that sun turns on. Can I get an amen from all them parents? Because your kids like to come down at the most inappropriate time. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If the moon is on, don't come in. Anyway, we're going to move. But I had my middle son who, they all saw me doing it. They all saw me praying. They all saw me spending time in God's word. And we went on a, we went on a a staff advance this past week with our team just to pour into them and to help build each other up so we can lead our church strong in the word of God. And I didn't know this. You know what book my son brought? Could have brought the books that they read, which is like Catman and Dogman and all the other crap that they read, but he brought his Bible. I don't expect him to read it through all the way in the next, even in the next year. He's eight. He's still figuring that out. But it was the principle. The value. And I don't say that to boast. I wasn't, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty as a parent. I just want you to know that it, it's, it's proven that what you expose them to with a relationship with God, it will transfer to your children. Because what's going to happen is one day they're going to come to you and they're going to tell you, Dad, can I tell you what God told me today? Can I tell you what God showed me? And you'll know you're on the right path and on the right track when it's no longer a second-hand faith. It's not your faith that they're following, but it's theirs. And they know Jesus personally. They won't go to church because you're going to church. They'll go because they want to go to church. They'll realize that there is an importance to being a part of the body of Christ and making a difference and serving and And it becomes their church. It becomes their God. So we got to learn to expose them to the joy of knowing God personally. The second thing is we've got to expose them to the presence and power of God in his church. 
Psalms 92 says, those who were planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You see a Christian family goes to church when it's convenient. A Christ-centered one is one who is planted. One who knows the value of digging some deep roots. So I got a question. What's, what's not optional for your family? Like, like, let's just run through some scenarios. You know, school is not an option, right? Like, they wake up on Monday morning tomorrow at whatever time they get up, get dressed. Well, I don't want to go to school. I don't care. You're going to school. Get your clothes on, get your breakfast, put your bag, get, get it ready. You're going to school. School's not optional, right? Den- going to the dentist, maybe for some of you, but dentists shouldn't be optional. Why? Your teeth fall out. You need to have proper hygiene. Take care of yourself. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Make it big and make it good. Make it swole. That's what I mean. Like It's a temple. Make it nice. Like the rock. Um, dance, maybe. We paid for that dance class. It's not optional. You're going. I don't care. You, you signed up for football. You're going to football. You're not going to quit. It's not optional. We'll teach our kids this. There's a lot in our family that's not optional. But when it comes to church, and it's Saturday night, and you hear the question, hey, I want to go to church tomorrow. I got to tell you, there ain't nobody in our house that asks the question, are we going to church? And it's not because I'm the pastor. No, no, we're doing our best to be what's called a Christ-centered family. And we, we value not missing what God's going to do. Whether I'm preaching or not preaching, what, where are we? We're in the house of God. If we're out with, occasionally, if I'm out, I'm still watching that thing online. I'm, that or I will physically go to a church of a friend in the city that I'm in. Why? Because we value the experience and the presence and the power of God in His church. Church shouldn't be optional. Occasionally, I get it. You've got something. But it's, 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 do you value the tournament or do you value God? It's one thing to do one tournament every now and then, but it's a lot when it's two or three times a month. I've said it many times again. Our kids will know how to swing a bat, but they don't know to where to turn in his word. And that's sad. We want to be a Christ-centered family, not a Christian family. You see, the moment that your kids start serving in church, it now becomes their church. And they're driving the golf cart with mom in the parking lot while they pick up our guests to come bring them up to the front door. Serving with dad and skybreak kids while we love on kids and pray over them and teach them the word of God, that they have a purpose and God loves them and God is for them. But they start to serve on a, a host team with their best friends. We've got like 12 year olds and 13 year olds that seat you at your seat. I think it's so cool. They start serving with their youth leaders, serving coffee or doing something in the parking lot or greeting at the door, waving at people, giving people hugs, being a host in the lobby. And if we, if you often prioritize something over church, can I tell you like, what's the game this week? We're going to go to the game. We're not going to church. Hey guys, we're not going to go to church this week. We're going to go to the lake. We're going to have some fun. We're going to go on the boat. We're going to go to the lake. 
hey, we've had a long week. We're going we're gonna to just sleep in. It's all right. We'll, we'll, we'll go next week. It's no big deal. Man, the weather's just too bad. We, we, we're not going to go to church. It, it, just, it, was, it was 33. No sign of rain, but we, it's too cold. We're not going to go to church. Oh, the weather's too good. It's a beautiful day. We, we got to go to the park today. You often prioritize something over church and you never prioritize church over something else that will teach your kids what you value and what to value and when they get older and hell starts breaking loose in their life they'll turn to the world before they turn to the church y'all get quiet on me now I say this because I was taught this and when times in my life, when hell was breaking loose, I didn't turn to this. I didn't turn to the world. I turned to his word and I turned to his church. And that's where I found hope and healing. That's where I found my next steps. So, so what, if we're, what if we didn't do it right? What if we've got adult kids and we didn't do it right and what if, what if our kids are older now and they're not as young as they once were? What, what if we didn't do it right? Can I tell you? Start today. Tell your neighbor right now. Look him in the eye. Get to know their eye color for a second. Y'all knew it was coming at some point. I want them to make all them memes about what I say. Get to know their eye color. Some of y'all are like, I ain't never come back to this church. They made me look at this neighbor all the time. Tell them, start today. No, no, I'll say it with some, with some, some passion. Start today. <laughs> you may be looking at your spouse, and that's perfect. Look at your spouse for a minute. If your parents or your grandparents, look at them. Say, start today. You may have to have a family meeting when you walk out of here today. You may go to lunch, or you may bring lunch home, or you may go make lunch at home, and you're going to sit around that table, and you're going to say, hey, guys, we're going to make some changes because we don't want to just have God a part of our family we've not done it right we want him to be everything in this family we're going to make some changes today we're not going to be perfect at it some of these things are some things we're going to aspire to be but we're going to start today we're going to make this one step or we're going to do this one thing we're going to prioritize going to church we're going to prioritize this we're going to read God's word together as a family at dinner whatever it is we're going to pray together before we go to bed start with one thing just start today begin the journey of parenting on purpose to be a Christ-centered family you're not striving to be a perfect family but you are striving to be more than just a Christian family. You're going to fight to be a Christ-centered one. And I say that word specifically because you're going to have to fight to do it. Because there's going to be everything in between that's going to try to keep you from fighting to do it. The enemy's going to know. Ha <laughs> ha! You know who you are. You know you don't know much about the Bible. Who cares? We're going to learn together. At least your kids are being raised with maybe something you didn't get. There's nothing to be ashamed of it. What if I don't know all the answers? Great, learn it together. Hey, you go read it, and I'm going to go read it. We're going to come back next Saturday, and I want you to tell me what you found, and I'm going to tell you what I found, and we're going to seek the Word of God together. What are you doing? You're instilling the value of where truth is, where God's Word comes into play in our life.
begin to do that, you're going to see your kids gradually shift their dependence from you as a parent and shift it to God. And that's an unsettling feeling because I think a lot of times as a parent, we need to feel needed. Well, I need my kids to need me because I need to feel a purpose. You have a purpose. You birthed them into the world. You are their mother. You are their father. You have a purpose just by the label itself. So just be their father, not their friend. You're not their friend. I told my kids that a long time ago. I said, look at me. I love you with all my heart. God gave you to me. I love you too much. I will never be your friend. I will always be your parent. There may be friend dynamics where we can have fun together. We can go hunting together. We can ride four-wheelers together. We can go out and chase chickens together because that's what we did yesterday. Like we, We're going to do friend dynamics, but never forget, I was entrusted to be your father before anything else. Same thing with moms. And there comes a point, like I know, like my dad is sitting in this room today. There are friend aspects. We can hang out. We were skiing a couple weeks ago together. I was snowboarding. He was skiing. He fell. I fell. We all fell. Happened. We're getting older. He's almost 64, but he's still cutting it. And we had fun. And then that night, we were having a conversation. We were talking about some things and some spiritual things that we were working on, some things we were trying to do with the church, and, and it became dad for a moment or pastor for a moment. That will never change. Why? Because I know the position he has for me. And he's instilled that in me. Because if I get that flip backwards and I will no longer see them or honor authority in my life, I will think that I'm also self-sufficient in myself. And therefore, I will look at God and think I know how to tell God how to do his own job when he's God and I am not. His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. And I become the God of my own life rather than depending on the God who created my life say it again we cannot force our, our children to love God we can't expose them to the people to the places to the experiences that increase the likelihood of spiritual growth expose them to knowing God and the joy of knowing him personally expose them to that expose them to his presence Expose them to his power in the church. I want us to stand all across this room today. I believe today is a shift for some families. My prayer for you all this week was that would leave here today with a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other to fight off the enemy and to build your family and you're going to need both that's scriptural you're going to need a sword to fight off what the enemy is trying to come the enemy will make weapons against you but they will not prosper in the name of Jesus his word says so but you're going to have to fight for it you're going to have to pick up your sword like violence. Well, the enemy's coming. And his word says he's here to steal, kill, and destroy you. So you better be ready to fight. Is your family worth it? Is your marriage worth it? Is God worth it?
while you're fighting, you're building. While you're fighting, you're building. You're going to fight for your family and you're going to build for your family. And you're not going to have it all together. You're not going to be perfect. No one's here to say to be a perfect parent. But I don't want to just be a Christian family. I don't want to just be the Christian dad. I want to be a Christ-centered family that is set apart. That people go, you know, there's something on your family. Just like, I want what you got. How did you do that? Well, it started with loving God's word. You'll get to minister to some people at your workplace. You'll get to minister within your own family, with your siblings, your parents. And I gotta say this, grandparents, you play in a vital role in your grandchildren's life. A vital role. You know the uncles and aunts in the room? You play a vital role in your nieces and nephews life. You play a vital role. We're going to talk about this more, but there's a statistics that was put out about grandparents that that if if a grandchild has a healthy relationship and a consistent relationship with their grandparent, the suicide rate drops to nearly 0%. Nearly zero percent. We'll talk about that more over these next coming weeks. And I got to tell you, we've got something special we're going to do February 21st. I have some friends of mine that are flying in. They wrote a book called Raising Parents. Not raising kids, raising parents. Just because you had a child doesn't mean you have the license. Like like you know how to parent. You have the license to do it. But now you got to learn how to be a parent. So we're going to have a free Raising Parents seminar, February 21st. You can register today. They're going to throw it up. You can scan the QR code. Pastors Jonathan and Joanne Brozazog, who have eight children. The last ones were a set of twins. God bless their soul. They have an amazing family. And he wrote some practical things. And I'm having them come that night. They're going to sign books. They're going to talk. We're going to spend two hours together in the Word of God. And we're going to lean into parents. Why? Because it matters to, to me and Kendall as your pastors that you do this right. I want to learn. I want us all to learn. Why don't we just stretch our hands to Jesus today. I want to pray over you. Father, I thank you for every parent, every family, every individual, every uncle and aunt, every grandpa, every grandma, every son, every daughter. God, we need you. We don't want to just be a Christian family because Christian families are easily swayed by the world. No, we want to be a Christ-centered family where you're not just a part of our life, but you are everything in our life. Help us today to make the necessary changes, things that may, we may not even like, things that may make us feel even uncomfortable. Help us to press in to these family essentials, to parent on purpose, to expose our children to the people and to the places and to the experiences of the Almighty God, to expose them to the joy of what it means to have a relationship with you personally. God, I know we won't always do it right. There's going to be many times where we have moments of regret. But God, we thank you that your saving grace and your mercy and your forgiveness that we can turn around and we can do it again. The great thing about last night at 12 a.m. was was yesterday ended.
No matter how successful it was, no matter how depleting or negative it was, it ended and today is a new day. It started all over. So help us to walk into today and every day with new purpose, with new provision in our life, with new insight, with new values, to have morals that are based and built from your word, to value you as our heavenly father, to train them and to equip them to love you and to seek you and to serve you. God, I just pray blessings over every family, every parent, every grandparent, every uncle and aunt, every son and daughter today. Pray blessings over them. Bless your church for generations to come. Let today be the day where seeds are planted that will reap a harvest and fruit in many generations to come, that today will be a pivotal moment, that today would be a catalyst. Even if they're single in this room today and they're not married, then they don't have children. Let today be the day that they will look back and say, God, I placed my foundation and my trust in you. I stood on your word and I followed what you said, that I will impress on my children your commands and your decrees, your laws and your truth that we would write them on our hearts, that we would put them on our do doorposts, that we would bind them to our hands, that we would write them on our foreheads. Why? So that everywhere we go, every place we are, we're at, every time we rest our head or we pick it up, we are talking about you and we're loving you and we're serving you and we're giving you our life. That today is the day that everything changed. While everyone is still praying, I know there's some of you in this room that maybe... Maybe you've never had a moment where you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want you to know today that God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you. He died so that way you could have forgiveness of your sin. The Bible tells us that we all have missed the mark, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? We, we missed the mark. God had a target that we were to hit. We couldn't do it, so he sent Jesus. Jesus fulfilled what we could not. The Ten Commandments, do not steal, do not kill, do not murder, do not commit adultery, honor your father and mother, don't have any other gods before me, all those things. We, for lack of a better way to say it, we sucked at it. We couldn't do it. But Jesus came to fulfill it. We live those out knowing that we are sinners. But Jesus came to fulfill what we couldn't. He fulfilled his own covenant with man. life, to have a moment like right now where you can make the decision for yourself. God won't force you to love him, but he did love you before he, you would ever love him. He died for those who may not even ever call upon his name because he loves us that much. And he surrendered his life and he rose from the grave three days later, defeating death itself. And he did it for you and I. He did it for you to have a moment like this where you can say, I need Jesus. And so if that's you in this room today and you don't know Jesus and you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior, or maybe you've walked away from Christ and today is your day, do you say, I need to rededicate my life. I'm back in church. I'm coming back to the, the foundation.
what it means to be a part of the body of Christ and to surrender my life again to Jesus. If that's you today with one of those two groups of people, I just want you to slip up your hand when I count to three. Ready? One, two, three. Just lift them up and say, that's me. I need Jesus. Oh, I want to rededicate my life today. I want Jesus in my life. I want to put him first. I want him to forgive me of all my sin. I want him to wash me clean, make me new. Because that's what he wants to do for you today. Just lift them high. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, you can put your hands down. I want us to pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on a cross for me. Today I ask, you forgive me of all my sin. Wash me clean. Make me new. I am now a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. I receive you now as my Savior. And I acknowledge that you raised from the dead by the power of God. So I could have life and life to the full. In Jesus' name I pray. Everyone said a big amen. Can we celebrate church with every person that made a decision to?